0: Hello, and welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I'm the Dungeon Master, Paul. But today, things are a little different. Today, I'm only joined by one of our players.
1: That's right. Just one.
0: Just one. Just Jeremy.
1: You poor souls.
0: Or as you may know him, Lorik Darkbolt, the High Elf Wizard. Hey, guys. So, we wanted to kind of put out a little special episode for you this week. Something we've been thinking about doing, and um, I didn't really want to interrupt the flow of our D&D episodes or put this all at the front or even at the end of them, kind of trying to figure out a way to address these things. But there's a few things we want to do, just some housekeeping things, and we figured this was the best way to take care of that with this little bonus episode. So,
1: Yes, bonus material, because we love you.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, (laughs) we've got some more things in the pipeline, bonus material coming in the future, some things that I'm sure you'll be hearing more about hopefully soon. Definitely, I would think, in February. uh, If not in February, then in March. But, hey, that's all in the future. For now, what we wanted to do was, first of all, just say thanks. Thanks to everyone who's listening to the show. You know, it's, it's tough to start a new podcast. I've actually been involved in a couple of podcasts that were kind of just for fun. One, we had Mild Success, another one a friend of mine and I do occasionally uh, on video games, and it's just for fun. We don't really worry about numbers and things like that. But with this show, it's, it's more of a heart project, I think, for most of us, and we really want to get the word out there.
1: <laughs> deep, deep soul-filled.
0: Oh, yeah, soul-filled project.
1: Yes long, long long-awaited for?
0: You know, things don't take off from the beginning to the levels you want them to be. I mean, it's obviously we're just starting out, but I have to say I'm personally humbled by the fact that we're looking at breaking a 1,000 downloads in the first month, and I didn't expect that, honestly. I really didn't. Just with the small reach that we have, you know, just with telling the people we know about the show and those people telling a few people, we've managed to get that far in the first month of the year, and it's really encouraging for what we had to look forward to.
1: That's amazing. You, You said it right when you said humbled. I, uh, you know, you read the reviews, or you get the couple tweets, or you see Wizards of the Coast retweeted Make Believe Heroes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And chills go up your spine, and you can feel tears in your eyes that you know someone's enjoying a story that we're creating. It's a it's a semi religious experience for me. Uh, <laughs> I am blown away with the uh, you know the outpouring we've seen, and I know you're gonna uh, say thank you to some specifics, uh, yeah, but for sure to to the broad audience. Uh, Thank you a thousandfold. We're very blessed and amazed by your outpouring towards us. It means a lot.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to be gushing over stuff like that over the next half an hour. But before we do, you mentioned I want to give some specific names, some mentions, some shout outs. And I do want to do that at this time. We've had a few people come out and give us some iTunes reviews, five star reviews on iTunes. Very generous and very helpful to the show. And I want to just give them a quick shout out. So, a big shout out to, and, and by the way, these are the nicknames that you use on iTunes. So, uh, <laughs> T Baggins46, I don't know who you are, but well done. You're amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, Rosie Ravenclaw, thank you for the five star reviews. Zach Blaine, Robbie the Sheath, Hero of Time 915. I believe that's actually a, a guy that I know, a friend of mine. <laughs> Ryan the Fletcher, Human Cleric, Shiver Me Timbers 1. <laughs> or Chris, he signed it as Chris. I believe that is, yeah, I know who it is. It's Chris from the Dungeon Masters block. Yeah. And uh, big shout out to all of you guys that, that helped us out with the show by giving us those reviews. And a big, huge personal thank you. Chris actually mentioned in his review that he had some preview episodes. So there were a number of people that we actually asked to listen to the first four episodes of the show to give us some feedback. You know, a couple of months before the show came out, I got them ready and mostly edited. And, you know, we distributed some copies to some friends and some colleagues and some people in the industry. Yeah. Big thanks to those people that helped us out with that, such as I mentioned Chris from the DMs block, Mitch from the Dungeon Masters block, Josh from uh, Sneak Attack. Yes. You guys went out of your way to help us out, and we really appreciate that. And, of course, a big shout-out to all of our friends. I'm not going to go through the huge list of people that we had that helped us out. You know who you are and you're listening. We are eternally grateful for your feedback, and if we can ever repay you, just let us know how. Absolutely. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of well, here we go. peel back the curtain a little bit, give you some information about us, let you kind of get to know us a little bit better.
1: Would you say lift the wizard's robe?
0: Maybe. Um, (laughs) Maybe that. He he
1: might edit that out.
0: No, no, I'm going to leave it. So, uh, what we're going to be doing over the next few months, you know, just whenever I feel like it's a good time for one, we're going to release some of these shorter 20 to 30 minute episodes where we'll give you listeners a chance to ask each of our players some questions about themselves and about their character. So, the first one we're doing, obviously, since Jeremy is here, is Jeremy. The D&D player, not Lorik. We're going to talk about Jeremy first. So The the first thing I want to know, Jeremy, and (laughs) I actually already know this.
1: Of course. I still gush about it because it's D&D. How'd you get into D&D? Oh, my goodness. So, well, it was was a combination of things. So I had a couple friends in college life who had mentioned Dungeons & Dragons. And, of course, I always want to try it. Never really knew anything about it. You know, you see references. You hear people talk about it. Never tried it and had somebody be like, well, this is basically what it is, and you should check out this podcast. And I was like, okay. I go and I, I listen to, it's. A, I'll just say it, it's Critical, hit, yeah, critical uh, hit, Steven Schleicher, mm-hmm. Rodrigo Lopez, oh my gosh, what a great DM. I listened to, you know, maybe three or four episodes, and was instantly hooked in the ability to tell a story through D&D. And I instantly wanted to become a Dungeon Master. I wanted to tell stories, mm-hmm. which Paul, having played in my games, knows that most of the time, whenever I Dungeon Master, I'm extremely role-play heavy, and I seek uh, character interaction above it. all else. For sure. Uh, it's just an obsession. And I was able to tell, uh, I crafted a story, started putting it together. It was fourth edition at the time. Yeah. Turned into three years of gameplay. Um. Wow. I actually yeah, remember the that was first it.
0: time we played, and I don't think that was the first <laughs> time you had played. I think that you and maybe Jeffrey and some others had kind of played around one evening or a couple times before that. Mm-hmm. But I remember we were over at your apartment, and it was the first time we'd ever played, and we just we just made up these random characters. I was playing a dwarf. Um, I don't even know what his class was. I could not nope. tell you, probably something like a fighter.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that game um, with Shatter Ross.
0: Yes, oh boy, Shatter. Yes, Jeffrey the, uh, played Shatteros the Minotaur. The Minotaur—that's a memorable character that we'll forget and move on from now. Yeah, his name was Durand, I think. Yep, that's right. Like Durand Shattershield, maybe. Yeah. And we went in that night, and I, I'm nerdy. I love Lord of the Rings. Jeremy loves Lord of the Rings. We're big Tolkien fans. Anything in the fantasy genre, fantasy genre, we're you know, we're excited for hooked into. And so they're like, Oh, we'll just play. You know, it's like, you're, it's kind of like playing a board game, but you play, you are, you become the characters, you pretend you're those characters. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And as we got into it, I started trying to put on a terrible dwarven accent, (laughs) which most of you will be familiar with at this point, my terrible accents. And, you know, before the night was over, I was
1: hooked for life. Oh yeah, I was too. I I went to bed that night and dreamed about what we, you know, how much fun we had in in that story. And you didn't know this. I can't believe you didn't know this. Uh, no, that was my first time playing. Well, it was it? Also my sure. first time running. Never played a game. Jumped wow. straight into being a dungeon master. And yeah, uh, we you all woke up in a prison cell, which is mm-hmm. a great way to start any D and D campaign. And I said, explain to me how you got there. What did you do wrong to get there? And you know, zaniness ensued. Um, For me,
0: just like you, because we've kind of grown right. into D and D players together. Storytelling is the most important thing when it comes to D&D. When I describe Dungeons & Dragons to someone, I describe it as you know, just diluting it down to a few words. It's collaborative storytelling. That's what Dungeons & Dragons is. And we just goofed off, had this fun little game where we were in the city trying to escape prison. And I made up this whole story about how I was actually a dwarven prince undercover and no one knew it. You know, pretty typical, pretty cliche but it was fun it was a lot of fun and from that moment there was a an ember burning in my soul that we had to play and i never even entertained the thought of dming at that time and we didn't know the rules i don't know i don't think (laughs) we used a single like handbook the whole time we played we were just rolling dice and calling it and it was yeah we basically
1: had pre-generated characters that we said okay i want you to build backstories for these guys and you know i had i had a like a basic chart of how fourth edition worked for difficulty classes and I was like, okay, let's do this.
0: And we just went into it.
1: It was terrible. Terrible. But fun.
0: we've we've grown since then. You know, that was a blast, but you know, we did enter into a three and a half year campaign with yes. Jeremy as the DM of fourth edition. It was epic. It was oh my wonderful. Gosh.
1: I, I will always hold the claim to fame that I actually made Paul cry over a game. <laughs> it did happen.
0: Oh, it was real, man.
1: It was it was great. I we don't we can talk more about that later. Uh, yeah. You know, when we get into DMing uh and, and that sort of thing, but for sure. Um yeah, we we have been the DM for each other uh multiple occasions. Yes. It, it really has been a an experience and and I remember specific, specifically after that first time, we started calling it the greatest game. That we did. nothing compared to Dungeons and Dragons.
0: And that's saying something because I'm a big gamer. Like Breath of the Wild came out this year, or last year now. Yeah. greatest Probably the greatest video game ever made. And so yeah. it, it's, it's a lot for me to say the greatest game ever is Dungeons & Dragons, but that's what it is. Yeah. And Jeremy and I see eye to eye a lot, a lot when it comes to D&D. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is Ooh. why would you want to make a Dungeons & Dragons podcast?
1: Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Well, <laughs> I mean, there's tons of reasons. Uh, I was always writing stories. I still have, I still have books, Paul. I have d and d campaigns written i've mm-hmm. i've actual stories written I always wanted to tell very specific stories and actually the next time whenever I run a game i'm going to tell the the story i've been working on basically my entire life um I think I got it ironed out that i'm ready to to run that game or tell that story but it's mm-hmm. uh you know it's more than entertainment it's ideas it's uh having experiences that you can't have any other way. You know what I mean? You're not going to be in this, am never going to be in a situation, please God, to where I wake up in a jail cell and I say, how did I get here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. I'm getting to experience a different part of life. Yes. I'm getting to share my passion and, um, my stories with some people that I'll never meet. You know what I mean? Um, I do. you know, the, the first time we started recording for a podcast or working on it, um, I remember one point saying, you know, Hey, Uh, you know, we're six or seven episodes into this. I want to say thank you to all the soldiers who listen to this because I've noticed that for D&D podcasts, a lot of times it's people uh, away from the States or people who can't play the game or people who are in a situation that they're looking for an escape, you know, and it Mm -hmm. it means something to me to have a connection with those people um, that say, hey, uh, your story meant something to me. I, you know, I found joy. I found uh, relaxation. I found escapism. That's really what it comes to is someone else is really going to enjoy... You know, our laughter. Uh, Jeffrey kills me. You don't know how hard it is for me to play Lorik, <laughs> as neurotic and crazy it is, and look at Jeffrey and him making faces of the fact that I'm having to act like Lorik when that is not my character in person. No. I, <laughs> Next season, whenever you meet my new character, that's more like me in person, which is terrible. Um, but I am not Lorik. Lorik is so hard for me to play. And, uh, you know, I, I get to try different styles of life. I get to experience life in ways that I never have before. I get to reach out and, and tell stories and, and engage with different audiences. Uh, a D&D podcast for me is, I don't know, it's a, it's channeling creative energy that I've always had.
0: Yes. I second all those things, and I'm sure that's a topic we'll come back around to multiple times. Oh, yeah. In the future. And that you, you kind of spun right into my third question for you, which is what type of D&D character – do you typically identify with? Oh, as a player, well, <sighs> and why? Why did you make Lark the way he is? <laughs> He's so different from you. You know what? What type of character would you most identify with, and why would you make Lark the way he is?
1: Okay, so usually the first D and D character a person makes is they say, "I want to make a character like me." Which, For sure, you know it, it kind of makes sense. That's the first it's thing they say. Yeah, it's comfortable. You can figure out their motivations. You kind of know what they are. I tend to go with the rogue. I like to, you know, combat is very important, and I love it. But I like to be the charismatic character. I like to be the sneaky character. I like to mess with my DMs and try to shake up his world. Also, you're a kleptomaniac in real (laughs) life, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, No, people who know me know that Jeremy is not one to, you know... I am I do I do talk very fast. I I do I am high energy person. But I'm not fidgety and nervous. If anything, I'm overconfident and cocky. So, whenever I <laughs> Yes, Paul Paul smiles and laughs because uh, it's absolutely true. It. I didn't
0: true. say it. Yeah. I didn't say that.
1: Uh, I said it cuz you know, our listeners, the people who know me who listen to this podcast are all smiling and laughing right now. Going, yeah. Yes. I I understand that is who I am innately as a person. And when it comes to d and D, I I can do things or be that uh, you know, well, you'll meet my next character. Uh, that is my ideal D and D character. I, I don't want to give it away yet, um, but you know, a person who, and even whenever I play as a or run as a DM, I have characters reappearing. Characters. Uh, I could talk about uh, Drake. Drake shows up over and over and <laughs> over, and he is such a powerful. Um, I'm in con- in control of the situation, regardless what's going on. For sure. You know, he is the one that I I dare people to try to mess with my game when Drake is there. Just because he's going to to mess with their character stories so deeply. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just... going to be
0: two steps ahead of everyone at all times.
1: Exactly. And that that's my favorite D D character to play. The bard, the rogue, the person who who's trying to stay ahead of everyone else. Yes. Um I am not a fan of the asking permission, Lorik, or uh caring about what's happening to the other players. Um, you know. <laughs> we had a... Well. Yes. I mean, the, well, even Lorik being a a racist, uh, not understanding culture of, or, you know, just anti gnome because he's heard that gnomes are bad and never been around them. That's not Jeremy. I'm not like that. I'm very super overly friendly with just about everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Loric is, he's an enigma to me and that's why I wanted to play him. He is not Jeremy. He's not, He's, he's very hard to play. And a lot of times I have to choke back stuff or sometimes I, I second guess even saying the things I say because well, he goes whenever he goes off for a magic item, like that's a character swap that he's like, boom, that's the thing. I'm going to be crazy and get this magic item regardless. And I'm going to be up front and I'm going to be in people's face and then Lorik realizes that oh gosh, I'm not supposed to do that and freak out. You know, Jeremy wouldn't do that. He would just keep keep going. But trying to play Lorik is it's a challenge and it, it's a lot of fun just because I would I would never do that and it's fun to try something different.
0: That's one of the most fun things about D&D. My first character that I ever played was a dwarf, and he was a prince, and he was noble, and he was wise. Oh, yeah. And I didn't get to play him all that much. But when I made my second True Blue D&D character, it was a wood elf, and he was a ranger, and his story became this living, breathing thing. And he was the most like me, and when I say that, I mean he was the most like he was the most of how I wish I was, if that makes sense. No, that makes you total know. sense. He was very confident, but also very noble and very moral. He was a very moral person who always tried to weigh right Everybody and wrong. And He wasn't a divine character in 4th edition, but he was a type of character. So I understand you know, that tendency to go toward either what you are or what you want to be with your first characters. But since then, every time I create a character for myself, I try to make them as different as I can, not just from that character, but from all the characters that I've created, which eventually they will overlap and I understand that, you know, but I try to challenge myself to play these characters that are unlike me and I struggle with that. It's hard for me to play that character like you're describing, that cocky, you know, lying, deceiving, caring, not for others type character, so I completely understand and appreciate the merit.
1: We've been having a lot of fun with our, we, we do have a side game that's just the hey, we're not going to record anything, we just want to have some fun game where Paul and Jeffrey are playing. And basically the whole premise of the game is to wreck the game. Yes. <laughs> it's it's to be filthy rich, rogues in a city full of thieves. Mm-hmm. And, and how can they mess with Jeremy's game, and how can they mess with every character that they come in contact with? And you actually do a pretty good job when it comes to uh, – Trying to manipulate people to, to give you money, let me tell you. Um,
0: which is so, it's so unlike my, me as a person that it, it's almost cringy sometimes. I feel oh yeah. like, oh, this is so fake. But yep. that's the way it's supposed to be, and that's when you know you're really getting into that character.
1: Yeah, which just adds to the fun.
0: Absolutely. So I do have a couple questions for you concerning Lorik. Now, we're not going to go too deep into this. There are a lot of things about Lorik and a lot of things about all of our characters that are going to be revealed through the play of the game you know when right. we first started no one knew that lorick had this closed-minded view of the world because of his raising and because of where he's from and that view is being forcibly opened as we travel uh, yeah. which you will see over the next few episodes we've released 6 episodes of the show we've recorded way more than that so we already kind of know where things are going mm-hmm. i do want to mention lorick has has or not lorick jeremy has said something about his next character some of them might be like, oh, snap, that's a spoiler. Loric dies. That's that's not what's happening. We're still recording with Loric and Cervantes and all these characters. There's a structure to this show that we have set up, and it, and we're essentially doing it in seasons. We'll talk more about that later. We're now just enjoy the show that we're putting out, and we'll, we'll address all those things in due time.
1: Hey, Loric rolled a natural 20 just a week ago, so don't worry. He's still alive. <laughs>
0: still alive. So concerning Loric... Why? This was actually a question from a listener. Why do Lorik's eyes and hair do weird things when he casts spells?
1: Okay, so it, it sometimes it depends on the spell mm-hmm. and it, sometimes it depends on Jeremy remembering that that does happen every <laughs> time he casts a spell. <laughs> yeah, because it, absolutely. Because it, it, it does every single time. Um, so in classic Dungeons & Dragons, a wizard is connected to the weave of magic. And that weave can or cannot affect them physically whenever they're tapping into it. And so I have decided, and I have, I'm, I'm not going to reveal all the reasons as to why, I've, why it goes on. But depending on the type of magic, ice, fire, lightning, that that would affect Lorik in different ways as he touched the weave. And yes, there may be some backstory to that. And yes, I know you'd love to hear Lorik's backstory right now, but this is not the forum for it. I mean, the gist of it is, my hair changes, you'll get it in the backstory, and it's all about what kind of magic I'm using. It's secret. You will find Uh, out.
0: There was another question, and this one was actually for me, about how I would have handled it if, episode 6, when Larrick cast his Wand of Wonders at the Basilisk, if it had been doubled in size. There are actually rules about that, because what he did is it casted the Enlarge Spell. Yeah. And the Enlarge Spell specifically says on there that the target, if you if you hit a target with it and they do grow to that size, that they get advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Correct. And that their weapons get an extra 1d4 of damage. Now, that's just the vanilla rules. I'm, I probably would have messed with that a little bit because I'm evil. You know, I probably would have <laughs> given him like a plus one, basically at least, to all of his attack rolls as well. I'm nice. not exactly sure. In that moment, I would have made a decision... Uh, he, I mean, he gets advantage on strength saves and strength uh, checks, but that doesn't include attacks. Yeah. But I definitely would have made his attacks harder to miss when he's twice that size. So Yeah, I think advantage
1: would, have, would probably be the same way I would have handled it.
0: Yeah, it would have ended poorly, <laughs> uh, probably. <laughs> it probably would have ended poorly, so that's the closest answer I can give you there. It would have been one of those things where I had to decide right in the minute, and it would have ended poorly for the players. So the last question for Larrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually kind of a, a little funny question we had. Oh, no. Why doesn't Lorik get some counseling for his magic item addiction? He has a problem.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I really can't wait to to give you the backstory for Lorik. Um, he does have a serious problem when it comes to magic items. It's true. I mean, to the detriment of the party. There was an an extra episode of material that came out of the fact that Lorik has serious problems with magic items. Yeah. That, that's just not normal. Um,
0: Lark has a couple of crippling flaws.
1: Yes. And hopefully
0: and he will have some, you know, character growth over the span of the podcast <laughs> that will address those things. I mean, that's, that's what it is when you're trying to fix a character. And I say fix a character. I mean, everyone has flaws. Sir Vance has some pretty serious flaws. and Right. Every, well, we all do. They all do. And we as human beings do, so that makes sense.
1: It's part of D&D. Uh, that's part of what makes it fun. You, you have characters, you have bonds, you have flaws, you have things mm-hmm. that they can't live without. And they there's, I mean, Alan talks about his one character that was terrified of elephants. Like, that was a thing for his <laughs> character. And you yeah. have to play to that. It, it, it just makes it more fun. That's just like rolling poorly. If you roll on that one, that's awesome because it changes the story.
0: And, you know, we'll probably do another episode in the future where we'll really break Lorik down. Into the minutia, especially once this arc or season is over, you know, we'll probably take an episode and do do a sort of epilogue style, not epilogue for those characters necessarily, but epilogue for the season. So before we go, just one more thing I do want to mention. We had a listener and a follower on Twitter reach out to us and say that she didn't have a question, but she was asking if we might be interested in doing an episode on the world setting on Manumi. Cool. The short answer is yes, I would love to do that. The long answer is um <sighs> there, there are so some much. things there are some things that I only want to come out for the players when they when they see it. Okay? Ooh. Or when they experience that. So oh. you know, it, it would to me, don't I'm not against doing that. And here's what I'm gonna say straight up. If we get some feedback from you listeners, if you all contact us on Twitter or send us an email which will be in the show notes this time it messed up last time but it will be this time about you know hey we'd love to we'd really like to have a world setting episode we'd really want to hear more about Manumi can you do this for us because I know a lot of other podcasts have done that and it is something I'd like to do I just was nervous about doing it up front because I don't want to spoil it to me it's almost like if you went and read a wiki on middle Earth before you read the Lord of the Rings Don't do it so I would I, rather it not be spoiled. And the one you know, and, and, and I could give a general, absolutely a general overlook of the world. There are certain things that I will not reveal for sure, absolutely things that are secret to even our players, you know, for a reason. But I could absolutely do some talk about the history of Monomi, things that are general knowledge, that are character knowledge, and you know the places in Monomi, the worlds given overlook. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, all I need you to do is let us know. If we get enough of you fans saying, "Hey, we really want that world setting." Episode, then that's something we'll do soon. And even if we don't get that outpouring right now, eventually it is something we will do. But my, what I would ask you to do for now is just be patient and you know enjoy it as it's revealed to you through the episodes, because that's yep. where you are going to get the real look at the world anyway.
1: Well, we get a couple seasons in, I think you'll be way more free to do that. Absolutely, yeah.
0: So, but that's not something I am against doing. So if you if you'd like to hear that and you'd love to get a a, a world not world building but you know a world setting episode an episode about Manumi the history of Manumi and you know what the world looks like just let me know and that's something that I will take into consideration but for now this does it for our first bonus episode we hope that you have enjoyed this look behind the scenes again huge thank you to everyone that has written us reviews that has contacted us on Twitter that gave us some feedback on those early episodes just everything that you do is a huge help and we could not appreciate it more
1: you are our lifeblood it, it is your going and telling your friends to go download this podcast that is making it a success we are very appreciative absolutely and, and, and please keep it up reach out to us we, we love communicating with you we love talking and hearing what you think about the show and I'm, I'm very excited to see where this ends up
0: and if you want to help out the show as always if you haven't yet you want to leave us a five-star review that would be Fantastic, and even more than that, tell your D and friends about our game, because or about well about our game and about our show. Tell them, to check us out because your help is really the only help we have in spreading the word. So, Love thank it. you for listening, and we'll see you on Monday.
1: Bye, guys. Love you.